0: You want to just start it up? Yeah, let's do it. OK.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 210 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Caster Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee! Hi, Chris. How's it going?
0: I'm good. I set up a new mic today that you picked up for me.
1: And I hope it sounds good. It doesn't really sound different on this end, but I think that's mostly because like Discord, Discord ruins your sound <laughs> yeah. on your calls. <laughs> Hopefully it helps. Everybody let us know if it if you hate the new the new Lee voice. We yeah. Not my back.
0: voice specifically, just <laughs> the the quality of it.
1: Uh, so today we are, well, we had a vintage tournament that we covered this past weekend, we can chat about that for a minute or two, as long as that conversation sustains itself. Uh, and then I figured we would talk about historic. I've been playing some historic. I've been watching a bunch of streams, you know, we got jumpstart historic horizons, so there's plenty of new stuff to talk about and. Kind of make guesses at how long it will last and if it's good or not and then we can do a little bit of a retrospective on standard and say goodbye to some cards that we maybe won't miss from this standard format because official previews for innistrad midnight hunt start this thursday so we can officially start moving on from throne of eldraine's year of magic yeah, most
0: most times rotation rolls around, it's the the soundtrack is like I will remember you. Mm-hmm. But this
1: it, it's not like that this year. <laughs> this it's is so- a na 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 hey nah, hey hey goodbye yeah, exactly, sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I I just like it's been so long since I've had any interest in standard whatsoever. New sets come out and I just can't be bothered to care about it because I know the same cards will be good but I, this is discussion for that part of the podcast i guess sure
0: i mean we can start with vintage there's not a lot to hit on that because we did like
1: Jarvis did a really good job last time on that yeah yeah and, and things pretty much played out about as he said we didn't get to see any of the uh the taxes decks that seemed to show up in surprising numbers in our tournament i i don't I don't think that deck is good.
0: Uh, see, I looked for those. I looked high and low to feature one because there was mm-hmm. like two doing well and neither player was in the Discord yeah, or streaming. So it was like impossible to get them on stream. Yep. So I don't know how they won, but they won some matches. They didn't make it into the top eight.
1: Yeah. And our top eight was pretty sweet, pretty diverse. And our finals was really cool. It was Matthew Vuk on Soltai. On an extremely, like, the fairest way that you can possibly build a blue deck in Vintage, not even running Black Lotus because it's kind of medium, given the things you can put out with that deck. Only three moxes. Uh, And then he was playing against Dom Harvey in the finals, and Dom's deck was really just an amalgam of a a lot of different broken stuff that you could do in this format. Tinkering for Bolus Citadel, uh, Oathing... And so Sphinx of the Steelwind kind of bridges those, and you've also got Gristlebrand, Brand and uh, Matthew Vuk did end up victorious, but you know Dom's deck was very sweet, and I, I think he got a lot of cool wins over the weekend.
0: Yeah, I really would have liked to see Dom more through the tournament. I'm glad we got him to the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his deck was just the sweetest. He was the only person playing Oath of, of Druids in the entire tournament.
1: Yeah, and it it the little that we saw, it looked very good, and he obviously won a lot, but we have certain internet problems somewhere between us and Dom that make it difficult to to show his matches and unfortunately have made it difficult to use him as a commentator as much as we would like as well. You know what's
0: weird about vintage is that I have a hard time remembering like specific matches or like what decks I like to see for mm-hmm. this one. But I remember there's a lot of excitement on a per game basis. Yeah. Because restricted cards just add that dimension to it. So the Mm -hmm. whole tournament was fun to watch. Even if like right now, you know, a couple days later, I don't remember any matches that were particularly entertaining. They're just all like pretty good.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of like Hail Mary moments and that sort of thing. And like nobody is ever zero percent because your draw step can always be ancestral recall for the two per you know, the the perfect combination of cards and stuff. So I've been watching like a bunch of LSD streams recently, and he's been talking about cube and stuff when people ask him about that. And, you know, this might have been on an older video that I was watching while doing things at work, but he was talking about how when when people have like talked to him about designing cubes and sort of the inherent desire to like flatten out the power level and how he doesn't think that actually like provides for a funner cube and so that's why like his cubes often like you know he'll still play vintage cubes his, his cube has soul ring and stuff in it despite it being very spiky and you know breaking games wide open because there's a lot of fun contained in those moments and that that is a philosophy that i you know have not thought about a lot and i think a lot of my feeling on you know playing power particularly in cube just comes from the fact that i don't generally personally enjoy either side of that experience when i play a mox on turn one and then just like ride that to victory i don't feel like i did anything particularly smart or played good magic and when my opponent played a mox and beats me with it it's just like okay what was i supposed to do and if i managed to scrape out a win i just feel like i got lucky because they didn't have a good curve to follow that mox up so it like never feels good for me in the games but watching vintage is really fun, and the spikiness is like a big part of that sort of. Dynamic. Yeah, I like
0: I like vintage way more than like vintage cube in that regard, mm-hmm. because it's a constructed format. Everyone has you know upwards of fifteen restricted cards in their deck. Yeah. So you know you're gonna draw a restricted card every game. That's not a question. It's just like which one and how impactful is it per what's going on in the game and which one's your opponent drew. Mm-hmm. Whereas in cube you draft him, and. You can have like one or two in your deck maybe mm-hmm. and your opponent's not guaranteed to have one so to me there's a lot of discrepancy and q specifically that makes it not as fun for me yeah uh, even though I, I acknowledge like playing a mox i think is really fun <laughs> like it's it's just it feels good
1: it it does i i mean like i like i get the like oh man my spells are like so good now feeling of like you know unlimited power but i i never feel good about the game that i win because i drew a mox in my opponent didn't. i
0: told i told you a story on the last time i drafted the mutate cube mm-hmm. where i won a game with a really
1: sick back for more yes. and that felt as good as playing power <laughs> yes i mean and it makes for much you can't tell a story about like yeah i played a mox so i played a two drop on turn one and then i played another like two more creatures on turn two and then I played Hellrider on turn three and my opponent died like that's not a good story
0: yeah and that that game I told you about for the listeners as I won with back for war by uh my opponent milled me out on their turn with prismari command to hopefully do zero cards in library with a huge graveyard then on my upkeep thanks to the Prismario command I had back for War in my hand so I cast back for War on glow Spore Shaman to put a land on top so i didn't die drew my last card and attacked really (laughs) cool
1: (laughs) yeah that's really awesome but i think there's like a
0: lot of moments you can do without like in cubes specifically i guess since you brought it up without using power Mm -hmm. Uh, and vintage power just i think really really adds to the format
1: yeah yeah I, i mean it defines it in a very real way and we even see like the deck that won this tournament was only playing the bare minimum three moxes ancestral time walk like yep. that that's it and so the fact that some of these it, the format is so powerful that some of these are just not not even must runs is is kind of wild i i like that about vintage i like that you can say that a, a vintage tournament was won
0: and the winning deck did not have black lotus mm-hmm.
1: as an intentional choice yeah yeah and you know before anybody like levies criticisms or like uh, feels like that must be wrong. like Look uses, at the deck list. Yeah. Like, uh,
0: <laughs> it, honestly, if you put Black Lotus in the deck list, I would just be like, oh yeah, Black Lotus, of course it's there. But when you point out that it's missing from that deck list, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that really makes sense.
1: Your mana mm-hmm. costs aren't super conducive to that. Yep. And you know, the deck is playing long games and gets its mana from Deathrite Shamans and like just isn't necessarily interested in blowing its opponent out on turn one like that's not really part of the plan yeah and you don't like have a combo
0: package where you can demonic tutor and Yang will it either so it doesn't even have that extra flexibility
1: right that's the thing about lotus in a lot of these decks is like all of these decks with explosive packages like that really benefit from having access to a burst of mana where if you're just disruption and okos uh you, you don't necessarily need that it's not as good yeah, sometimes it's just Target where it goes plus one. <laughs> We've seen that. That was how the like, what three years ago vintage, vintage champs yeah. yeah. Wait, I guess it had to have been just two years ago because Oko right, was twenty eighteen. Oko, Oko wow. feels like it's existed for a very long time, but <laughs> it feels like it was printed straight to vintage, to be honest. <laughs> At this point, yes. And the really wild thing is that. You know, later in this episode, we'll be talking about the cards rotating out of Standard, and Oka would be one of them. <laughs> Wild. Uh, but before we get to that, let's just take some time and go through Historic. I've been playing a bunch. Uh, it's cool. There's a lot of different decks. I don't think there's any way of knowing, like, what is the best thing, what will last the longest. Uh, the most visible stuff right now is... Indomitable Creativity in particular is kind of like ruling the roost at the moment, and I think Zan's build of the Jeskai Creativity deck is kind of the most commonly played one. So it's run running Dwarven Mine and its three-color mana base, uh, Indomitable Creativity for a couple of Sarah's emissaries main deck, with a couple other options in the sideboard, and Hard Evidence has really just like been a huge upgrade for this deck to have access to. Yeah, hard evidence is, is incredible. That was the card everyone pointed
0: to. No, mm-hmm. oh, hard evidence, really good with indomitable Creativity. Wonder if that'll be
1: good.
0: <laughs> and it just has been in modern and historic now.
1: Yep, I have been playing a different version, just a like is straight up is it version where I'm just creativitying for Niv Mizzet, and I think that the Jeskai guy version has like a lot of options that are really good, but there's enough versions of the control decks in the format that I prefer to just have like a cheaty plan and you know post board I usually side out like all of my indomitable creativities and just side up to four niv mizzets and just kind of treasure them out and then beat my opponents with them and that has worked a lot better for me than like Plant, being a worse teferi deck than my control opponents post board, which is what I think a lot of these creativity decks end up doing. Yeah, and trying to like cheese with Nissa Hall a lot of the time. Mm-hmm.
0: I one of the most powerful cards in historic still is Memory lapse Still,
1: it's still legal. I think it may be the most powerful card in historic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every time that card is cast, it's so impactful. Yeah, and it's just really
0: hard to justify to me at least playing a deck that doesn't contain memory lapse because of how strong the card is. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you can't do it. It's just, I, I, your deck gotta be really powerful.
1: Yeah, I, I agree the, there are a fair number of creature decks that I think are fine. And there's also ones that can run memory lapse. There's ones that can cast it, but I actually think should not, but we'll, we'll go over those, but yeah, I mean, memory lapse is just probably the defining card of the format and means that if you're playing a control deck and your thing is Nicol Bolas the Ravager, I think it shouldn't be because like like the idea behind those decks is like you just kind of jam it out there on turn four and see what happens and you're not, you're going to be up a card, but if it gets memory lapsed, like you're just going to get walked on usually. Yeah, it's not good. I've seen so many Ravagers just been relapsed and it's so sad every time. That card's not really good enough. Please don't. There may be a way to play a Grixis deck, but it's going to be leaning on uh expressive iteration and using that and leveraging your like lower curve because some of your disruption is like hand disruption and using that to get an advantage against the kind of like bigger Teferi decks. But the the way the reason to play Grixis is not Nicol Bolas the Ravager, I promise. Yep. I mean Jeskai control is the most popular like control deck this is different from the indomitable creativity deck what you gain is your mana base is a lot better because you don't have to fit in dwarven mine which actually like causes some kind of significant problems uh it makes your like expressive iteration turns pretty awkward sometimes when you like maybe you don't have a blue source in your hand And so you're trying to hit one, but then the only land you hit is like another mountain or a sacred foundry or something. And so then you pass the turn with like red, red, white up, and then your opponent can just cast a Teferi or something. Yeah, you can
0: often be short on blue sources, especially with cards like Narset in your deck. Mm -hmm. Like playing a Narset on your turn often taps you out of blue mana. So you would need like a Teferi in play to give that blue mana back.
1: Yeah, And, and Narset is really, really good and really important in this format right now. And I think the control decks have a way easier time leveraging that card than the creativity decks do. People keep playing, casting all these nonsense spells. Like I keep seeing, like, I mean, I love Magma Opus, but you don't need to cast, you don't need it in just guy control. You, you you have expressive iteration, Teferi and Narset to push your advantage that you get from your good disruption. Uh, you just don't need like gear hulks and magma opuses or whatever other nonsense you're trying to do uh slight exception for search for escanta because in the control mirrors casting a search for escanta on turn two is really really good
0: it's it's like
1: you need all the mana you can get and it's just good at every point in the game in those
0: mirrors so that one gets a pass Yes. but like a six mana spell like gear Hulk, we just finished talking about the memory last was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no shortage of postboard mystical disputes in this format so you know six mana blue spell is not necessarily what i want to be doing yep another thing you gain by not having a dwarven in my mana base is the ability to cast archmage's charm and that has really changed the game of the like shark typhoon commence the end game go over your counter spells thing when you make a giant zombie or a giant shark and they just steal it it's that's bad news that doesn't work out great for you
0: yeah can't counter at lurk mages charm so i'll take it instead
1: still do see a fair number of coincident games in the creativity deck though Mm -hmm. i don't think it's awful like you don't always get your thing your zombie stolen but yeah uh, and they also have to like have it very timely mm -hmm. because you
0: often just want to get a chip shot in
1: yeah but you do have to be really aware of what is going on with that uh and, and another thing that the control decks get via their mana base is that they can play hall of the storm giants which you cannot play if you're playing dwarf in mine and a lot of times these like little token the chip damage things you take a couple of shark hits in and then they've got a hall in play and anytime you like try to cast a spell and fight over it on your turn that could just end in you like dying to their land
0: their seven seven yeah
1: it, it gets pretty hairy, and I'm wondering if maybe that is enough that the creativity decks actually want to get away from a dwarven mine. It, it really taxes your mana base, and you may be able to, between Prismari Command, Hard Evidence, and like Shark Typhoons, you maybe have enough tokens that you don't need the dwarven mines. But against the non blue decks, the door of my build is way better the ability to just so consistently turn for your indomitable creativity is really important against the decks that don't have blue spells in them
0: yeah and it's really difficult to beat a Sarah's emissary
1: mm-hmm. that you don't really have a lot of bad names no i i mean a lot of a lot of decks in this format get shut down by you know a lot of the non-blue decks if you say creature they just can't kill you Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know what's the best in that like broad category of blue decks to be playing it's basically like creativity helps you against the field and then if you're not playing creativity you are better against the the blue decks the other blue decks in the format and so you just got to kind of do your calculus there I think I generally prefer creativity Mm because I
0: don't every time I watch people playing ladder and historic it's all nonsense decks yeah (laughs) sometimes even the person I'm watching yeah and if everyone's just playing nonsense decks all the time even in high mythic i would rather play creativity because it's just more broadly powerful
1: yep and your games are generally a little quicker yep and i'm gonna keep working on like this niv mizzet version of it too because i think there's maybe a way to kind of get the best of both worlds i generally don't lose after getting niv mizzet into play even against the not blue decks so sure there's a card is parent is uh a scary one for sure it's it's one of my favorites without brainstorm it is slightly less hilariously (laughs) powerful but it's still pretty good
0: yes brainstorm always the problem
1: (laughs) uh so other stuff that i've seen other stuff people have been talking about actually today watching streams i saw a lot of enchantress
0: so i also saw this you know Everyone I saw
1: play or play against it, excuse me, just lost. Mm-hmm. So eh. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think it's pretty medium overall. I think it's not okay if it ends up being good because the like play patterns and incentives are kind of atrocious. It does some really fun stuff where you just like go up a billion resources and it feels really good because you can do anything you want, and then you do like a hundred damage to them on your turn when Destiny you make your lands winner. into 2020s <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean like it's got kind of the best tools that it possibly could get at this point which it's got the the mana creature it's got multiple enchantresses that are enchantments and it's playing the nine live solemnity combo to beat onboard damage which is not a thing we really want to encourage in the format i don't think not generally no uh, and also, the like Sterling Grove is just a messed up card. Giving all of your enchantments shroud, and so like, and then you play out your enchantress creature, and then they have like multiple removal spells in their hand that just don't do anything at all. It's awful.
0: Was Sterling Grove in one of the
1: anthologies, or was it in the mm-hmm. this jumpstart pile? Because I, I I thought it was in historic previously. It just didn't do anything. I, I think that's right but you just have like way more enchantress effects now yeah sterling grove is a card that's oh, strangely powerful looks like it was not in anything until jumpstart 2 but whatever it is really powerful
0: it's one of the more annoying cards playing against the enchantress deck for sure because they can just i mean i guess it gets everything you need or it protects your things mm-hmm. and generally if there's something if there's nothing worth protecting it's always replaces itself yeah well kind of it it does take up a draw step
1: right but you also as long as you have an enchantress effect in play like that basically just doesn't matter at all sure and if you're playing against a creature deck and you're assembling nine live solemnity like it just doesn't matter even if you don't have an enchantress effect but when you don't draw your enchantress effect like the deck is pretty bad when they just like put pressure on you and then brazen borrower or something on a key turn or just have a disenchant on a key turn, like that's really bad. So I, the, hand, I don't... the
0: hands don't come together very
1: often. Yeah,
0: like there's just not enough redundancy of effects.
1: And if you get like one of these things just actually countered, you just you know, and then you draw like nine lives against your control <laughs> opponent, and it just doesn't matter at all. Like the, it, it, I don't think the deck is quite there it's fun though it can be yeah and and it does it has some really cool like end games but i think that there is something better to be doing with the enchantresses than this prison deck if if there is something good enough it i would much rather be doing like Nettlesis stuff or something like that and i think there might be something there that's more likely let's see other stuff that isn't really a thing uh, I don't think that the Vesper Lark combo deck <laughs> is good. So I know what this is, but do you want to give us a refresh? Sure. Uh, if you give your Vesper Lark perpetual minus power, it can bring itself back. And so you use Davriel's Withering on it, and then it can just bring itself back over and over again. So as long as you have a Blood Artist or a Bastion of Remembrance, then you kill your opponent. Uh, if you have like a soul warden effect prosperous innkeeper or whatever you can gain a lot of life but if Vesperlock is the only creature in your graveyard that you can get back then you just under magic rules you draw the game under arena i have i actually have no idea what happens
0: i i don't know either because i know if if you run out of time it just makes decisions for you yeah and i don't
1: know if the rules engine on arena like knows what to do in that situation the game might crash. It's we don't we're not sure. Yeah. Just kill your opponent instead. But I think there's like some fundamental problems here. I don't think like this is the type of combo that like, could be in a good deck. And that type of deck would be like, I'm playing a good creature value synergy deck that also like has a way to end the game on the spot if the ingredients are there and my opponent like tapped out or whatever. And those decks tend to be really, really strong. But I don't think there's a way to build a decent, fair creature deck around like with these pieces in it, like Vesper Lark and the stuff it can get back isn't like a really powerful package. Blood artist doesn't really do anything in a lot of these decks unless you're like really sacrificey, but you can't play white in that type of deck usually.
0: And I see a lot of core fellings. They're not quarter calling uh, collective company. Mm-hmm. And that card has not looked impressive in these Lab Zan combo style decks.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, the problem is, like, your Vesper Larks just kind of don't do anything until you combo with them. It's part of the problem, and, and you just end up with a bunch of bad and cards. You,
0: and you have to remember, use a removal spell on your, your Vesper Larks to get it going. Y-
1: yeah, but I mean, ho- hopefully you win when that happens. Yes, hopefully. Uh, The only time I saw it be impressive, I was watching Zan's stream a little while ago, and he played against a deck that's like not in the direction that you an experienced practitioner of these decks would necessarily go with it was just a totally combo focused version where they turn one scheming symmetried and that's the we both vampiric tutor card they've turned one scheming symmetried and they played claw talisman and then they played bastion <laughs> of remembrance and then they killed him
0: yeah just really not messing
1: around here right and, and that may be the only way to make this decent is don't worry about, like, playing other games with it. Make it the combo deck. But that combo can't beat a rest in peace. It can't beat an instant speed removal spell. Like, it, it you know, it's very vulnerable. So I don't see this being good.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's something that holds it back. You have to... There's so much window of interaction with it, and, and that's just kind of where it falls apart.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it can't beat a an in-play graveyard hate piece of any type. you can't cage. you can't beat yeah. a k- graveyard grease cage you can't beat a lantern and and there's so much graveyard stuff going on in this format that everybody has graveyard hate in their sideboard
0: and soul guide lantern is just such a free sideboard slot it seems mm-hmm. has been for a while yep yeah i saw one of the grixis players i watched lsu play against play a i think it's called Tome of the infinite the card that creates a random card mm-hmm. every turn uh, and L.C. was just planning on Prismari Commanding, and it turn to loot and, like, make a treasure. Yeah. But then this opponent played an artifacts, and it's like, oh,
1: kill that, I'll make a treasure. Kill <laughs> your three-mana artifact, then. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of Prismari Commands in the format puts artifacts that, you know, like, kind of your singleton artifacts like that in a really, really rough place. Like, I, I was playing some treasure maps uh, in a non-Indomitable Creativity deck, and then that they just, like, came out of my deck really, really quickly. Yep. Your artifacts have to be really good in this format so far. Yeah. Um, I think if you're playing a lot of artifacts, so I think that there is something to the artifact aggro decks, tempered steel, you, you got a lot of good payoffs. Basically you get, you play a bunch of unplayable, you know, one, ones for one or whatever, or <laughs> zero or something. And then you get a lot of good payoffs between Nettle tempered steel thought monitor Steel Overseer is okay, and that one at least only costs two. So there's definitely something there. I've definitely died to different versions of this deck. Nettlesist and Thought Monitor are just like both terrifying cards, and Thought Monitor really fixes a lot of the problems with the deck where it's just like, oh, they had as many removal spells as I had creatures, but now here's the Thought Monitor you're going to Thought Monitor is
0: always so terrifying when it's, all right, their hand's on the table. They've got a card left. I can beat it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And then the thought monitor comes down and they
1: have two more cards on a creature on the board it's like oh no yeah. where did it all go wrong <laughs> and then they equip nettlesys to thought monitor and just beat you over the face Delia. with it yeah it's the biggest drag you've ever seen yeah thopter is Thought Monitor or thopter is just construct right probably okay it's a two two thopters are one ones we all know this what about thopter squadron well but that's a bunch of thopters <laughs> it's a five
0: <five-five>. five <laughs> yeah it's five thopters Okay, yeah, I mean, I can't argue about that. that is it's like
1: explicitly five factors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you also have the advantage if you get to play blue in your artifact deck. So you get to either play memory lapses or sideboard spell pierces or miscast is the one that I've kind of seen the most. That can m- be a huge difference maker. Uh, these control decks often just like if you counter their anger of the gods on the key turn or the wrath of God. Y- you're gonna get them
0: i always forget the rats in this format isn't just supreme perfect so you can actually have some god <laughs> yeah
1: which is a huge upgrade to the playability of the format i believe yeah yeah i think so too <laughs> uh speaking of that merfolk is i honestly if, if you play force ball pierce main deck in the merfolk deck i think it might be the best deck in the format
0: but a lot of the new Murfolk cards are pretty good yeah like, I've, I've been impressed with the guy that makes a Tropical Island, for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, that card's really good. It's just a 2 power 1 drop with the Merfolk creature type that fixes your mana. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Not only fixes your mana, but, like, if you don't have enough lands, gives like, turns a Merfolk into a land. Like, it just smooths everything out. Uh, and you get to play Collected Company, and you get to play Savellon, and that card makes removal like really awkward certainly nobody has adjusted to any particular threats in the format to any reasonable extent so i think like playing merfolk collecting company and spell pierce is like really powerful
0: is that the deck that's gonna have staying power though because i know merfolk traditionally or Mm -hmm. most tribal decks i guess don't really tend to have their legs for very long you know what i mean i don't i'm not making a joke here (laughs) Um, all right, <laughs> this is a little mermaid podcast now.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, like, you get a lot of Lords, you've got the green, blue Lord, you've got master of the Pearl Trident, and you have a mirror and those are all like, you know, really good. And you're just really combining a lot of Lords together. Collected company is very good in this deck because just anything it hits is like fine, basically. Savellan adds a powerful dimension, and then you get to play whatever counter magic is good at the moment. And that seems like a recipe for, if not long-term constant success, at least like long-term, this can be a good choice type success. Okay. I do buy that. I, I'm just super impressed with
0: the, the early drops from Revoke Gal.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. there's actually not that many good... Early creature plays in the
1: format. <laughs> yeah, we've got Dragon's Rage Channeler now. That is a solid one drop for certain decks. uh Weirdly enough, the deck that I saw with Dragon's Rage Channeler that I was the most impressed with and excited by was like kunio was playing like a mono red madness deck, and it looked really good.
0: What does this mono red madness deck play? Like Hollow one? Type yeah,
1: feel? yeah. So uh it's like your your madness outlets are like Faithless Looting, Cathartic Union, and Season Pyromancer, which is just straight up an overrate card for this format. It's really powerful compared to some of the cards people are casting. Uh, and then you have Blazing Root Walla, you have Fiery Temper, Mana Gorger Phoenix, and Hollow One, and, you know, fill in. I, you know, I think he was playing Arclight Phoenix, but I don't know if that card's actually... Th- there's like 14 or 15 spells in the deck, uh, and so you may have like one shot at getting Phoenixes back in any given game. So could be okay, but maybe you want to be doing something else. Uh, I was pretty impressed with mana gorger Phoenix. Like when you discard it to a cathartic reunion, you get the first counter onto it from the cast of the cathartic, because that's the way. Really? Yeah. Cause it's in your graveyard when you cast a spell, since it's a cost.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah.
1: And if you huh. discard a blazing root walla to whatever you discarded the Mana Phoenix to, whether it's a Faithless Looting, a Season Pyromancer, or a Cathartic Union, you do get one more counter onto there. Uh, casting Fiery Temper for one red mana gives you two, two. counters. <laughs> so like these Mana Gorgia Phoenixes were coming back really, really fast and just being free 3-3 flyers. They get big. It's nice.
0: Yeah, I actually really like the design of Mana Gorgia Phoenix. I think it's one of the cool, probably my favorite online only card.
1: It, yeah it's, it a, it's a good implementation of the design space i think because it's really hard to do in paper mm-hmm. but
0: like it's pretty nice and online yeah where something like davriel i think is only available online but also not that interesting
1: D- Davriel is a weird card man but this madness deck was really cool you know blazing root walla for the purposes of this sort of thing, is so much better than Basking Rootwalla as just like an actual fair madness card. They're indistinguishable when you're doing Venge finds, but when you're actually just trying to kill your opponent with creatures, like this thing hits really hard. You just have a spare mana, you give it three power, you spent no mana to cast it, and your uh, seasoned Pyromancers are just like three mana and they put, you know, you're discarding spells to them because you want to discard your spells. And so they are four power worth of stuff and maybe a root wallet into play. And it just puts on a lot of pressure. And even if you get like rest in peace, it's kind of annoying. You don't get your phoenixes, but you still get hollow ones. You still get root wallas. like you still can just kill your opponent.
0: I haven't seen this one yet, but I'm hearing you describe it. I, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's the type of magic I enjoy playing with, or at least seeing in the format
1: and you can play red or i mean you can play black if you want you've got the two mana three three haste with echo discard a card Dagretron? Dagretron now? no it's from mh2 it's huh, okay. it's like it's recto's like something. oh the three three yeah yeah yeah, yeah. recto something is what i would describe it as as well <laughs> yes <laughs> And, and you can play uh, Kitchen Imp as well. And, you know, that is a, a pretty fine card. But I think that you lose some amount of Mana Gorger Phoenix synergy, which I think is really good in game 1s in particular. Just puts down a fast clock for no mana investment. And if there's
0: enough enablers and just mono red in general, you yeah. don't necessarily need to dip into black. Because having a monocolored mana base is incredibly underrated.
1: Yeah, and you can leverage that however you want. You can play faceless havens or den of the bugbear you can play castle embreaths which are maybe the thing because you make a lot of tokens so i I do think that you get a lot out of that monocolor mana base
0: you have a scurvy oak written down do you want to talk about that or did you want to say something else
1: uh i just also want to mention that like don't forget if you're playing a madness deck like you're getting a huge boost over what we think about with madness decks because you get to play faithless looting the pen it's completely (laughs) messed up yep faithless looting is a nice one Uh yeah. Scurry Oak combo is it it kind of exists. I haven't seen a a list or and I haven't played against a version that was like scary. The combo is Scurry Oak plus Heliod plus a Soul Warden effect, and then that is like a build your own Spike Feeder combo, basically. Like you make you make a lot of squirrels and you gain a lot of life. And I haven't actually seen it happen because it's so hard to put it together. I, I've seen Kenny play against
0: it a couple times,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or maybe just the one time, and he told me it wasn't very good. So yeah, I I would believe that.
1: I don't think it is. Certainly, the versions that I've seen are just not consistent enough, and there's too many disruptive pieces that break up the combo and you have too many cards that are like three mana and don't do anything without other stuff like scurry oak and heliod are both three mana do nothings if they've dealt with your other stuff and that's a lot of liability for a deck like that it's hard to play creatures you can't attack or block with profitably it's just too many uh too high of a mana cost yeah And, and i mean like these are company decks so you can like kind of cheat overall that way but we can't
0: forgive the sins of all cards as long as they can be collected by companies
1: right also sometimes you can combo out and then you just get wrath of god it and you know like this is just so atrocious against the Jeskai decks and it's so atrocious against the creativity decks that i i can't justify this sort of combo deck yeah i, I
0: like my creature combo decks to have workable creature plans of attacking your opponent and mm-hmm. i don't think that any build of this deck i've seen has it
1: right so far it does feel like there should be some Heliod deck where Heliod is a good card, but I think that kind of requires you to be mono white to make that work. So it's, you know, as likely as possible that your devotion is turned on, and I'm not sure that I've seen anything like that yet. So Is Knight Captain
0: Avios a historic?
1: Is what in historic? Knight Captain Avios? Uh oh, Ranger Captain eos Yeah. Is it is it Ranger Captain? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Ranger captain is is in historic, but so like maybe some pure soul warden kind of deck with it, but I I don't think that that's like powerful enough. So Yeah, possibly. Uh the new version of the Tybalt's trickery deck is actually pretty gross. I saw this, the Throws of Chaos thing. Yeah. This deck is so funny. So Throws of Chaos is 3 in a red cascade retrace
0: yeah that's all it does
1: <laughs> it's a four mana spell that actually has no effect so you can cascade into Tybalt's trickery Tybalt's trickery targets the throws of chaos and then you get whatever spell is on top of your deck and obviously it plays a bunch of big spells plays some magma opuses so sometimes you turn three throws of chaos but it's you know pretty consistent and you get to keep casting Throws of Chaos if the first thing you hit isn't big enough. You get to retrace it the next turn and then you get to retrace it the next turn and like one of those hit an Ulamog or a Genesis ultimatum and and that should end it. So I, I don't know if this deck is like actually good enough, but it like functions.
0: It does function. <laughs> it's, it's probably not going to end up being good enough because it's just so linear mm-hmm. without being Like incredibly consistent, yeah. So that that's where the sticking point is for me. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad deck. I think it's just I I wouldn't turn to it if I mean I would if I wanted to just play a bunch of ladder. It seems really fun.
1: I mean, is it though? I guess if
0: if I'm in a certain mood, I could certainly do it. You know, I just want to play some nice spin the wheel kind of matches. Mm -hmm. I I get I get that
1: way every once in a while. Okay. But yeah, that, that is where all the fun is, is like, what am I going to hit? Is it an Ulamog, or is it like a Magma Opus that doesn't really do anything here? God, I hope it's the Ulamog. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else is there? I have not, I don't know what the Sacrifice deck is supposed to look like exactly, but I do know that playing any creature deck against the Sacrifice decks right now that have Yawgmoth and Mayhem Devil... It just feels <laughs> like the least winnable thing I've ever seen. So it was it was already hard
0: to beat uh, Mayhem Devil with creature decks Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, with Yawgmoth in play, that's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, fair Yawgmoth like on board when you're doing stuff on board is just really frightening. There's no combo with it, but it's a really good sacrifice card. So. Makes me
0: disappointed that he didn't give us a Urza, <laughs> as if such a thing could
1: exist. Yeah, I, I mean. Like, just slot Urza into, like, these artifact aggro decks, and it's probably disgusting, so. Well, the thing about Urza is, like, Emry exists, so. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Emry, I, there is some Song of Creation, maybe Paradox Engine. There is some deck out there. Like, I'm confident I'm confident this exists, and there is not really enough in the way of, like, Thalia's and Archons of Ameria and stuff like that that I think you are stopped from doing it. So I am excited to do some more investigation of this. I don't know what it is. I am particularly inspired by the fact that strike it rich is in historic. And this is the one red mana sorcery that makes a treasure and has flashback of two and a red, and that's just so nice with song of creation and totally serviceable because it is an artifact for, to help you cast Emery and stuff. And there's something. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something.
0: see song of creation is one of those cards that makes me keep thinking that, mm-hmm. but it never has panned off for me.
1: <laughs> and it's tougher now because you can't just win with Thassa's Oracle after you. Get yeah, your exactly. Song you that was always to... actually
0: really difficult to do though, mm-hmm. because of you have to discard your hand every turn. So mm-hmm. if you don't win immediately or end of it's like, like the bottom portion of your deck, it needs yeah. to be there yeah uh sometimes you still have like two or three or oracles in your deck and you just didn't get there <laughs> and it was very disappointing
1: yeah and so i i don't know if this is like an etherflux reservoir thing or if you're even casting enough spells for that but
0: well one of the problems with doing emery paradox engine is a chromatic star Emory paradox engine is a way better way to draw your deck mm-hmm.
1: true but there's no reason why you couldn't have both of those in the same deck
0: well one restricts you to one color and the other one is three (laughs) you could have both for sure yeah i mean
1: if you're doing like yes if you're you're doing paradox engine then you're not totally sure if you want to do song of creation but if you're doing song of creation it's not that hard to put paradox engine in there
0: that's true but you have to figure out a good reason to do song of creation first sure
1: i mean i like i just am gen pretty inspired by strike it rich song of creation Those work really well together Like just getting your song of creation out, having extra mana early is really good. Throwing away cards to do it is fine. And then you do have a flashback card in your graveyard to help get it going.
0: You don't, you don't have to talk me into this. I know
1: I've held myself back (laughs) for months now. (laughs) Well, but the strike it rich thing is new. That's what I really, I, I don't know.
0: We'll see. I called this out when we were talking about Modern Horizons cards. When I wanted I know, to put
1: Strike I, It Rich. <laughs> I don't want to do any like anything like this in Modern. That sounds well, really hard. There's forces of Negation more, uh... in Modern. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're a lot more restrained than I am, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh there's also a humans deck. I don't think it's quite there yet. It hasn't been totally figured out. Uh Thales Lieutenant is like exactly fine in it not having actual like the one drops are not quite there like there's a yeah. huge gap between I'm playing like Thraben Inspector and uh, Esper whatever the hell that thing is Sentinel? Uh, and Esper Sentinel there's a huge gap between I'm playing Thraben Inspector and Esper Sentinel versus I am playing a Noble Hierarch and Champion of the Parish and it's a very different experience and in humans you mulligan every hand that doesn't have a one drop one of those creatures or ether vial like you just don't keep those hands and you don't have access to any of them in the historic deck uh and it's
0: you you feel pretty slow sometimes too mm-hmm. especially against the other aggro
1: decks of the world yeah i haven't seen people play humans though I, i've seen it a little bit and it's just not it's not quite there yet i i mean Thalia's Lieutenant just needs a little bit more help, is all.
0: Maybe if we get lucky, there'll be some humans tribal in the the two inner shards sets.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll have the mirror. Maybe it'll be Champion of the Parish and Champion of the Perished at the same time.
0: If I'm being honest, I would way rather have zombies be a good deck than humans, because mm-hmm. I think they're more fun.
1: Yeah, they're cool. And we've seen plenty of humans over the years at this point. Yeah, the last time I played with zombies was in actual Interstrad standard.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Almond Cat didn't really scratch that itch
1: for me. is pretty cool though. Yeah, Cryptbreaker's sweet, but it's it's no gravecrawler. Yeah, that's true. But imagine a world where you could play Crit breaker and Gravecrawler.
0: Coming soon to historic
1: near you. <laughs> Maybe. I hope so. That'd be cool. That would be cool. That's like my overview of the format, uh, things that I have been impressed with, things that I have been less than impressed with. And yeah, there's there's lots of really powerful stuff. I have not, I mean, I guess it didn't even mention like Phoenix, but like certainly Phoenix with Dragon's Rage Channeler exists. Uh, you have to be hyper aware of the density of graveyard hate in the format. And so I don't think that your secondary threats, I guess tertiary threats can be anything in the the realm of Dreadhorde Arcanist or anything like that. It's got to be some sort of non-graveyard-based threat. And I think you really want to juke post-board and you want to take your finales out, take some other graveyard-y thing out maybe and play some, like... I I don't know, like... You know, alliance or whatever. Like that that enchantment that makes fairies. Improbable improbable alliance. alliance, Or you want to play like i don't know that that is it enchantment that like gets counters on it and then you can fire mines fire mines research yeah something like that but i know all the blue red enchantments
0: chris
1: (laughs) but but i think you do want to juke somehow post board because they will bring in graveyard hate and you just want to make it bad against you
0: okay is there a running regis type card
1: in those colors I mean nothing really springs to I mean crackling Drake, right? Yeah. It could be crackling drake. It's a little slow in a million yeah. laps format. And and I, I mean I do really like the two drop enchantment game plan against like the control decks in particular. So mm-hmm. Improbable Alliance is maybe like the thing. Okay. Yeah. i
0: still every
1: time I see a blue
0: like a, a blue red dual land,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I immediately assume the opponent's playing uh creativity that's just kind of where I am in the format right now right it doesn't have to be that way I guess
1: no it doesn't have to or
0: grixis I guess
1: (laughs) it should not be grixis Um, it often is I know I know (laughs) I don't really get it please don't cast both nickel bull as the ravager in this format it won't beat anybody it just won't I promise you want to talk about
0: standard rotation briefly before uh I guess we actually rotate, because previews start probably by the time listeners even get to listen to yeah. this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, you want to kick us off? You want to give give the breakdown here? Alright, so we, finally Throne of Eldraine is
0: leaving standard. <laughs> Everything in Throne of Eldraine is leaving, as is uh, Theros Beyond Death, Acuria, A Lair of Behemoths, and Corset Set 2021. Uh, there's a lot of cards in Throne. Actually, most of these sets are pretty good. Yes. Akoria and Throne, I think, are probably the most impactful. acoria is where you get your, your Edgewall Keepers, Braven Borrowers, Embercleave, Wrinkle, etc, etc, etc.
1: Wait, Throne is where you get those. Yeah,
0: well, what did I say? You said acoria It's fine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, Throne is where you get those. acoria has the companions, the lands, which are huge. Mm-hmm uh shark typhoon
1: uh winota as well Mm. yeah and that's that's like had a bit of a renaissance uh not not even just in best of one but like that's kind of the aggro deck of standard right now Mm -hmm.
0: yeah also our much
1: overhyped but underplayed fiend Artisan, (laughs) and all the ultimatums it is a bummer yeah uh emergent ultimatum leaving is i i'm gonna be so glad to see that card go (laughs) it's not as interesting as it reads, yeah. And it the main thing it does is just say you are not allowed to play mid range decks in this format.
0: I, I have a special dislike for homework cards that don't require you to do anything in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, Original Ultimate is an example of this, it's just you have to do your homework before, like, while you're building your deck, or yeah, before the game starts to figure out what your optimal lines is in like every situation because mm-hmm. the card is just so powerful <laughs> you can generalize a lot of stuff yeah and then when you're I- in the game if you hit seven mana you don't have a like any real gameplay decisions you just cast your card and get the three things you've decided are the best to do and you win accordingly
1: yeah so i i just like i'm pretty bored with that card and it, it was strong enough and just like inevitable enough that you, you just couldn't do like some of the stuff that I really liked to do was play doom foretold and play enigmatic incarnation. And like, you just weren't allowed to do either of those things with, uh, with ultimatums being the end game of the format It just went over the top of whatever you were doing on board. And I, you know, it, that, that is what really soured me on the format and made me kind of stop playing Standard entirely. I couldn't do any of the fun stuff that I wanted to do, which was pretty strong and like pretty interesting and powerful, but this Axis just wasn't tenable at all. And, and it just bummed me out.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that. I did play the original Twin of X for a little bit. Uh, but I, like any deck, I get bored of it over time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't really want to you know play the same deck for 6 months
1: the way you theoretically could with the original ultimatum deck right and i think that is really the problem with this standard format cuz people can point to it and be like this is like a pretty balanced format and there's some churn and but it's just like but these are the same packages we've been playing for so long you have rogues you have the adventures package you have the emergent ultimatum core like it just it's the same stuff for, for a year or more
0: I am glad to see Elder Gargaroth go though that's in <laughs> Corset 2021 I hate that card it's just so big and so impossible to beat it for very specific decks
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm just yeah. not a big fan of
1: that card uh, I'll also be happy to see Embercleave go while I don't hate cards boosting aggro decks and like mono red aggro. I don't like the gameplay that's just like all of my cards are bad. When I do not draw Embercleave, my deck is terrible. When I do draw Embercleave, you are dead. Like I don't think that's good gameplay at all.
0: No, I actually love Embercleave personally, mm. but I think the main problem is that Embercleave is so strong
2: mm-hmm.
0: and all of the other cards are so bad. Yeah. Like, I would weigh rather Embercleave costs like seven mana and have a real creatures lower in the curve. Because mm-hmm. there's a break point where Embercleave is a, a reasonable card to include in your deck, as long as you're allowed to play with like reasonable cards that attack. <laughs> and in this format, the creatures just aren't that good for mm-hmm. those kinds of decks except for bone cartridge on it which is absurd yes
1: <laughs> yeah and the burn spells were so bad that there was just no other way to build your deck you you c- couldn't play like a lightning strike version of the red deck that's just like i don't want quite this many creatures so maybe Embercleave isn't that good it's just like there weren't good burn spells you might as well play 30 something creatures and ember cleaves on top of it Because Embercleave
0: is very strong and that's how you're going to close out every single game. So just lean into it.
1: So play four and
0: then the rest of the cards have to be creatures. I understand the the pushback against Embercleave because of that dynamic. It's really bad. But I do think a lot of that has to do with the format just really not being conducive to playing reasonable decks. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I will kind of miss the Great Henge. That card was pretty sweet.
0: I like the Great Henge.
1: But it's it,
0: it gets old. Mm-hmm. I don't like one player just having such gigantic card advantage for doing the best on board thing. It makes yeah. games really grindy sometimes, if both players have one. And not the fun kind of grindy, the like, oh god, why is everyone at 40 life and have 20 creatures and play kind of grindy? It's like playing a multiplayer game, but there's only two players.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, though, like the games where you had to figure out how to value your opponents, like, well, their love-struck beast can't attack, but that does discount a potential great henge. Can I beat a great henge? Like, what? What? You know, I, like there was some good, like mind game sort of stuff that that went along with it. That was I kind of appreciated. Not gonna miss mystical dispute. <laughs> I kind of am, but we've cast enough of those for a lifetime. Yep, it's gone. Get out of here. <laughs> the other ones from that cycle were pretty inoffensive red cap melee is totally fine
0: you know i think one of my favorite cards in standard is gym razor mm-hmm. it's just like a pretty well balanced card yeah and really fun and uses the, the accordion mechanic that i really like mm-hmm. and it's a like reasonable magic card
1: yep and was mostly used to punish people doing like fires in wilderness reclamation so yeah unfair stuff
0: <laughs> I, li- I like gym razor that's a cool card yeah I actually really like Akoria, most of Akoria as a whole. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of fond memories of these cards. <laughs> it's an extinction event as another one in that set. Yeah, it's just a shame that the set was so dwarfed by companions and ultimatums. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, a lot of other stuff was pretty exciting and cool. Like when the what's the name of the Sultai enchantment? gives all your stuff delve titan's nest yeah when titan's nest was a thing for a little while like that was neat and a nice like change from you know we're not doing ultimatums we're doing titan's nest stuff for a minute that was cool
0: yeah that turned out to be worse than ultimatums
1: which wasn't too hard to call (laughs) because i believe i called it (laughs) but yeah yeah it it was neat yeah and like i it would have been cool to use like offspring's revenge or things like that like there's just like a bunch of neat cards in there that just absolutely could never get played when i had a ton of fun
0: with the teamer mutate decks when akoria came out mm-hmm. like the first time when companions were still the original rule set
1: yeah yeah
0: and i could play with umori i think is his name the collector yeah the one that's uh if you have all creatures in your deck your creatures get discounted Mm-hmm then you could just play that with all the mutate creatures and mutate auspicious sterics over and over again i had a blast with that deck it was really fun
1: yep but that's a mid-range deck so yeah i mean people weren't playing ultimate at the time so yeah but but once once they started there's just no way well i didn't
0: play a super a lot of standard after that
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i i totally get it uh you may be getting from the tone of this conversation that we are not unhappy about this rotation occurring.
0: I don't think it, like, anybody is. We haven't really talked about Theros Beyond Death because all the egregious cards in that set were banned, just which is Uro. Got banned,
1: yeah. I mean Uro is just what that set will be remembered for. Yeah, it's not it's not very remarkable outside of Uro and Thassa's
0: Oracle. oracle is not a problem in Standard.
1: Right. The escape stuff is good. Like Woast Rider was a great addition to standard. I mean I know a lot of people hated the particular implementation of the sacrifice deck with like cat combo in it, but strider is a, a super cool card. Ox of Agonis, outside of Dredge is a great card. There, There is cool, good stuff from Theros Beyond Death, but very much overshadowed by the existence of Uro.
0: And just like it's the sets it's next to are just mm-hmm. so super impactful yeah. that even though it has one of the best cards of all time in standard mm-hmm. or in Uro, it's still somehow a forgettable set.
1: Yeah. I love Enigmatic Incarnation. I love that card. Couldn't really do anything with it if, if you're trying to win serious matches. Yeah, that's a sad
0: thing. I wasn't in love with that card and, in fact, hated almost every deck I saw
1: with it, but <laughs> I did appreciate people trying. I got close. I, I had a, a solid build. People weren't being white enough, and that was like people just weren't running like four Skyclave Apparition, and it was bizarre so i did that and i won a lot and then the ultimatum deck happened and i started not winning at all
0: yeah so so uh summary of this rotation is excellent everyone's looking forward to it (laughs) there's some cards to miss but they're mostly like niche things uh at least that's where a bit of a mess
1: (laughs) i i mean like this the sad thing like the things to miss are just like a bunch of cards that really didn't get their opportunity to shine that are interesting and are powerful but could not stand up to the types of things that were happening like the only mid-rangey type thing that you could do is adventure-based stuff and nothing can outvalue it and nothing can go over the top of the ultimatum so you're constricted in this like gross little range of like what you're allowed to do
0: i also want to be sad for escape to the wilds a card which fueled the adventure decks and got the end of the result Yeah, a card which I just really like I think it would just be fine in most standard formats, but it would still be a good card
1: died for Edgewall Innkeeper's sins yeah pretty much and then Omnath I guess yeah that that that's really true too I forgot about Omnath honestly like I just like was not thinking about Omnath in this entire discussion but yeah that card happened as well he's not
0: in rotating he's still in Zendikar
1: Rising (laughs) i here to stay on the ban list. Yes. <laughs> For another year. God, yeah. It, it is so wild to think. Like, it just feels like it's been so long. But, like, without bans, Oko and Once Upon a Time would still be legal in Standard right now. Would be rotating out at this point.
0: It's honestly hard to imagine Oko never getting banned. Like, I just oh, can't yeah, look at the card now and think that. Because it's been banned in every other format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I missed the mark on that one, Wizards. Sorry about that.
1: Once Upon a Time just doesn't even exist as a magic card anymore.
0: Nope. And
1: I'm fine with that. Me too. I,
0: what are some like cards you're looking forward to? Because uh, some of these cards we're taking out are really impactful, like Sorcerer's hmm That's a card that's rotating out and needs some sort of replacement. They like keeping this effect around. So I hope we get a Pithy Needle type effect.
1: Sure. In we probably will. Well, I mean, to be quite honest... And obviously they had to do this but the power level in like strixhaven and afr especially is low enough that there aren't really cards that i got like pumped about like yeah i can't wait to play this post rotation like they almost don't have them yeah that that is
0: one of the big knocks against this 2021 year of standard Mm -hmm. sets They just all are unexciting. I actually kind of like Strixhaven, but it's not like the cards there are very good.
1: Yeah. So... There are cards in Kaldheim and Zendikar Rising that I think... I don't know. Let me just just pull this up and kind of see stuff that I want to make work. I mean, you know, we still got the Kaldheim Sagas, which a couple of them were good enough anyways. So, like, Binding the Old Gods potentially... If we're still ramping to stuff, and obviously uh Showdown of the Skulls is very powerful. Uh it's also Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, Goldspan Dragon certainly gonna continue being very good. Uh Asika's Chariot, gonna continue finding places to be good. Man, I There certainly was no place for this in a format defined by the things standard was defined by. But if I can cast Blood on the Snow in New Standard i'll be really really happy okay
0: that's a that's a card hmm. doesn't Fable passage rotate it's in the court it wasn't pre this year
1: i think yeah i guess not because because it was printed in course at 2021 but it hasn't been printed since then so they kind of indicated that this is going to be sort of the evergreen five color yeah. land yeah. which i think is good but you know we'll have to get it somehow in innistrad <laughs> or something like that to keep it well hopefully it's in innistrad uh-huh
0: i think this year next year standard relies heavily on the next Inter- the next two innistrad sets to be a little generous yeah otherwise there's really not a lot to work from from
1: the last year or so Well, yeah, I mean, there's some Zendikar stuff that, you know, if we really do stay kind of low powered, uh, you know, doing graveyard stuff with Throne of Death and Egon is like a thing that I would be into doing. Uh, I mean, we obviously lose the escape stuff, so it's not obvious what you want to do with that. Flashback. Yeah, sure. Uh, Felidar Retreat has the potential to be kind of powerful. You know, the stuff from Standard 2022, like Angels and dragons were kind of the standout decks from that arena format we'll see i'm not sure that that can stand up to an actual competitive format where people play counter spells because people are playing angels and dragons
0: if there's anything i've learned about watching arena streams for the past few days is that high mythics nonsense (laughs) yeah people still just do whatever they want to do and i'm not clear that that's good or bad for a deck like angels where i think people can play it but it's probably still not
1: good (laughs) yeah i definitely don't trust standard 2022 cues to have fleshed out like what is actually good that will be left over i don't know there's some interesting stuff you know like kaya the inexorable definitely didn't have room to breathe in this format but has a fair amount of power to it potentially uh, it requires some weird deck building considerations where you have creatures that you want to put ghost form counters onto. What lands
0: do we have in standard? All the temples rotate, right? All the temples rotate. Failed passage rotates. All the tri lands
1: rotate. Yeah. So the lands that we have are the pathways okay. and the 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 snarls okay (laughs) so the pathways and the snow lands from Kaldheim got it yeah which kind of also aren't really lands so i'd
0: rather die than play the snarls
1: chris (laughs) so we have to be getting some good stuff in in estrad to let us cast our spells or else it's going to be really tough to cast some of this stuff
0: then we'll just probably have to circle back into a lot of color format because just not being allowed to cast your spells is not good. <laughs> yeah, we'll just all be playing Faceless Havens. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that. I honestly consider that kind of like a 50-50 at this point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if we can't have mana to fix decks, then we'll just have to play monocolored, and there's actually a pretty good payoff for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that we do have the manlands lands from AFR so that, you know, you don't just have to be monocolored in order to get a man land, which does boost your win percentage pretty significantly. I I'm optimistic that they will make sure to put duels that work in the Innistrad sets, or else the standard is going to be rough for a little while.
0: I don't know. Last time I was optimistic about a duel land cycle. They gave us snarls. snarls. So.
1: That uh it's just so mind-boggling that they made those. They're just so frustrating to play with they're the opposite of companions <laughs> your win percentage just goes down when they're in your hand like atrocious just like make them gates don't give people the false hope and like think that they can make them work
0: <laughs> i'm tired of people trying to defend the stars to me because they read the text on the card
1: and think it means something <laughs> yeah.
0: do you want to do a, a cube question someone asked
1: yeah or uh, Patreon question? I'm just looking through. Oh, Starnheim Unleashed. This is this is one of the, the cards Angel. that's going to have room to breathe. That card's portal card. Yeah, I think I can like almost promise that that card going to be good in standard for at least a little while. Yeah, I
0: still think all runs a bit. It will be too.
1: That card does. Just, just, yeah, definitely. That's a time warp. So it's it's gonna be. Yep, that'll do it. Some of these medium planeswalkers might get a chance i'm just kind of clicking through and looking at stuff oh we do still have village rights and really yeah because it's in kaldheim oh that's right and so i don't know what tools we'll get but it does seem like really possible that two innistrad sets are going to give us things to do with village rights and like village rights is one of the most rawly powerful cards that we have left in standard and so there's there's something that there's a lot of potential there
0: yeah i have my fancy uh village rights so i'm, right, I'm ready
1: to go <laughs> i i will always be happy to cast that card uh but yeah let's do some questions
0: or whatever so, we got. yeah will to beast 5000 <laughs> asked about one uh, a few weeks ago you talked about your cards top cards included in cubes it shouldn't be What about your top cards that should be included but are often overlooked?
1: So as a broad answer to this question, this is one of the reasons why I love lower powered and also maybe kind of flatter power level cubes just because they let you put so many cards in that you wouldn't get to have fun with otherwise. And that's not really an answer to that question, but there's just like a lot of cards that deserve playtime because they are cool and fun that the general cube aesthetic of this is the most powerful cards it just doesn't get you to i don't believe it gets you to the most fun cards yeah i think the answer to this question is kind of just pet cards Mm
0: -hmm. because i can't tell people what should be in their cube yeah it's way easier to tell people they shouldn't play a cube right but i think some of the cards people don't give enough credit to for her, at least paper cubes because they're not on magical line are the uncards and conspiracy draft cards mhm like cogwork librarian is just the most delightful
1: drafting experience card I'm holding despite never making a single cube deck eight cogwork librarians in my hand right now do you want to tell the story behind that well the intent is to Try out a Cogwork Librarian cube draft where every player starts with a Cogwork Librarian. And for those of you who have not drafted with this, this is uh, a card that you can draft face up. And when, as long as you have your Cogwork Librarian in your pool, whenever you would draft a card, instead, you can take two cards out of the pack and replace them with a Cogwork Librarian. Just sort of like the dream, the thing you always want to do when you're like, God, this is not going to wheel and I need these two cards. You know, it's a classic terrible situation and Cogwork Librarian comes along to patch that up so we want to try a draft where everybody starts with one and that does mean that they're going to be like circulating around the table a lot you don't just get one use of Cogwork Librarian like it ends up with somebody else and then they get to use it so uh it might be bad chaos but I I think it'll be good chaos
0: I know drafting with one Cogwork Librarian is extremely fun just because people around the table are always looking to see who has it and when it's coming and like please use the conquer library and I want to take it yeah sort of deal like it's it's a it's a hill giant it's 4 mana 3 3 it's never going to go in any of your decks but it the, the power of rings to a draft is really fun yep uh, there's some uncards I really like too some silver boarded cards I guess booster tutors one of my favorite cube cards ever you need a, like a kind of non-minimum size cube to make it work because you could just take cards from the pile you haven't drafted and use that as boosters uh for a while when I did a 360 card cube I just had a pile of cards I had cut from the cube or were too good for the cube or stuff like that and you could just pull from that pile so it would have you know cards ranging from some bad shutter I cut to memory jar <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: just who knows what you're gonna get that's the booster tutor pile.
1: yeah yeah I'm trying to think of any specific ones Oh, Lelia is a blackboarded card that's actually really good and is new, so I don't
0: think it's in very many cubes. Mm-hmm. But that's a 2R22 two two, two Spirit Warrior with Haste. Uh, whenever she attacks, you exile a top card of your library and you can play it until end of turn. Whenever you exile a card from your library or graveyard, you put a 1 1 counter on her.
1: Yeah. So she attacks really as a fun. 3
0: 3. And lets you cast cards. Just a really solid three drop that isn't like another Goblin Rabble Master, because Red has, I don't know, five of those or something.
1: Yeah. And I was just thinking about that. Uh, another two and a red, like, attacky creature. I, I've seen a couple of streams where people have drafted Najila the Blade Blossom. Yes, this another Goblin
0: Rabble Master. Another <laughs> Goblin Rabble
1: Master, but it's like a really offensive one. It's two and a red, three, two legendary creature human warrior whenever a warrior attacks you may have its controller create a one one white warrior creature token that's tapped and attacking so it triggers off of its own tokens and it also might trigger off of just a bunch of creatures that you put into your deck before that hit the table before it so every time i've seen somebody cast it they've like looked at their cards and be like oh okay and then their opponent's just dead on turn four yeah
0: it also has a uh, a Berg ability that gives you an extra combat step but i've never <laughs> seen anyone activate it. Uh, nope
1: uh, so yeah, maybe like think hard about putting this one in your cube. This is like one of the more obnoxious rabble masters.
0: <laughs> and there's so many to choose from. Yes. Do you have any pet cards in cube that you could think of? Uh,
1: I mean, I just have like individual cards that I love like Shriekma and stuff, but I don't know that any of them are just like, you should put this in your cube.
0: I'm just looking through my cube for like fun ones. But a lot of them are artifact focused, so I don't want to It's a little too generic, too, too specific of an answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, like one of the things that I like to do in that I think putting together a kind of lower powered cube is putting kicker type cards, you know, cards that have multiple modes that have different uses for different amounts of mana that like maybe, Are graveyard active in some way but just give you a little bit more flexibility with your draws that are not necessarily among the most powerful cards so like a lot of these types of effects don't really get put into the higher powered cubes because they're not the strongest things in the world you know no unearthed creature is like that good but i do think that the lower power level does open you up to a lot more of these flexible cards that can make games fun and you know, interesting. Even if your draws kind of didn't work out great, and so uh, consider some of those that maybe don't make all of the cubes. I have an overarching thing.
0: I think more people should look at green in their cube and not do. Here is my twenty-one drop mana accelerates and my five mm-hmm. cultivates and my payoffs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, that's really really easy to do. And honestly, most of the cubes that exist are just that. Like green is just the ramp color and not a lot else. Like maybe Master of the Wild Hunt and uh, Night Pack Ambusher and Questing Beast or whatever.
1: I know, and those are always like the worst green cards because the rest of the green cards aren't doing that. Well, Night pick Ambusher is busted, yeah. but <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> I I have hardened Scales as one of my favorite green cards, and Branching Evolution is like a secondary effect because it just inc- requires you to put different green cards in your cube and do different stuff than just like I'm in green because I want to ramp to crater of theme every
1: game sure. which gets old well and it's in so many cubes that it stops being surprising and a uh, tracker also
0: or not tracker uh, hardened scales also lets you look at a bunch of cards like tireless tracker or mana gorger hydra and be like yeah these are just good cards but with hardened skills they are wow
1: yeah yeah and i mean it, it is really easy to fall into that particular green build just because green does that better and has more varieties of that effect than like it does with anything else so you do have to have some level of creativity to come up with okay green in this cube is doing something different and it's good enough to keep up with the other colors
0: I really like a Seekus Chariot for that because it's really hard to find green spells that do something other than ramp or kill artifacts or enchantments. <laughs> That's pretty much the only two things green spells do. <laughs> so and fight cards just aren't usually good enough ever. Mm-hmm. So between only ramping and only being able to disenchant, uh, it's nice to have like a card like a seekers chariot do something different. Yep. Or uh abundant harvest, which is just a cantrip.
1: Yeah, and tough to, like, go further with that. Like, how do you make the, like, Abundant Harvest section of... It's just like, that card does a thing. Like, you're not getting prowess triggers with your Abundant Harvest or anything like that. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to talk about. I'm excited to play more Historic. Format is pretty fun. We'll see if it devolves into anything, but it's cool so far.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'll be watching it now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my time has been taken up by Legends of Terra recently because they fair. just dropped an expansion. But I did take time. I've been watching a lot of streams while not playing Magic. Uh-huh. Hopefully that makes up for it a little
1: bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i been splitting my time a lot between playing and, and watching stuff because you do get a broader experience if you take the time to take in some streams. Uh, and, you know, I'll play some standard. I have been burned many times <laughs> by standard but i'll go back and give it another shot and not get my two drops stomped and that will be nice i'll appreciate that i
0: so i really like the inner sets like every single one mm-hmm. that's been printed except for absinthe story that one didn't count it that's, sucks. it's not
1: we don't talk about avacyn restored
0: but all the actual inner sets <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think they're just really good the graveyard's one of my favorite places to do magic I think it makes magic unique
2: Mm -hmm. compared
0: to a lot of other card games which don't even have a graveyard yeah uh so I always look forward to shred sets
1: just
0: helping make things more interesting
1: yeah I I'm psyched and I do like the themes of this and uh it should it should be a lot of fun I am like really curious about the execution of that like double feature movie themed draft format and hopefully get to actually do that in person with some people that would be really nice
0: I'm still hesitant about that because I don't want to learn like 60 arts yeah of I cards.
1: <laughs>
0: but I mean I'll do it if the drafts involved
1: yeah I it is really wild to me that it might just it sounds like it's alternate arts for all of the cards in it which is that's a lot of alternate arts Preview start on like thursday or so so we will definitely be talking about them next episode i am looking forward to that for sure
0: please show us some werewolves on thursday for the <laughs> if we don't all, know it's all like... a
1: single werewolf from the werewolf set
0: no we don't <laughs> we know Cord's in it because she's on the cover art. yeah but we don't
1: we don't know what she does though
0: She's probably a foot
1: planeswalker yeah probably but I, you know what what else
0: mm. She's gonna make a wolf.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. But we'll see, we'll find out, hopefully soon. Together, we'll do it. (laughs) Together, right here on the MTG Grindcast. Don't miss us. (laughs) Uh, Thanks everybody, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for hanging out. If you wanna lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. If you wanna find us on social media, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. That's it for us. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Goodbye.